you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Yeah, it's Good Morning Football. We are presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky live in New York City. Once again, it's a Tuesday. It's January 10th. I'm Jamie Erdahl. It's Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, Jason McCourty. Always on a Tuesday because Kyle shows up in a suit. No tie, but he's really concerned about his collar. But then like seven minutes in, he gets to change out of the suit and he gets me in a t-shirt. You're like, Mr. T-shirt Tuesday. Why don't you commit to the t-shirt early? I like to spring it on people. Mm. And frankly, when I do anger runs, I like that moment where I step off set and change. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm getting into my, my costume. And then I used to change back. Yeah. Screw that. No, yeah, no, no, no. In the t-shirt. Now you're just Bam Bam Bigelow for the rest of the show. Yes. Fired. <laughs> yes. In a single. Yeah. Angry runs Superman becomes <laughs> angry runs. All right. right. Um, we had a lot of conversations about different teams in the playoffs. And there's one in particular if you look at the lead block. But we look at the lead schedule block. for this weekend. Super wild card weekend lineup. The Cowboys and the Buccaneers play each other. You gotta wait. You gotta wait till Monday night. That game's on ESPN, ABC. Kind of a bummer because drops out. A couple of teams that we really enjoy talking about all season long. But the Cowboys, in particular, the last couple weeks, they have struggled to get things going in the final week of the regular season against the Commanders. Yesterday, head coach Mike McCarthy said they won't be brushing that game under the rug. But yesterday, he said that, all right, it's time to move on. We had the team meeting, uh, so we, we, you know, I felt that uh, we were able to cover some things in there that need to be covered, and um, you know they've had a chance to visit with their position coaches. You know, I, you know, I talked a little bit, but you know, yesterday not being a you know burn the tape type type uh, outlook here, but you know we've had a chance to go through it, and and frankly, I think it's time to burn the tape and move on to Tampa. Like he kind of like backed into that. He's like, and kind of a burn mm-hmm. the tape mentality. The Cowboys are hoping that a 26 to six loss in Washington was not a sign of things to come as they prepare to take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers will host the Cowboys mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football. Jason, start us off. What do you make of what McCarthy had to say about? And needing to burn the tape. Yeah, when you hear a coach say burn the tapes, it's kind of like you're that kid and you make a mistake and your parents, they're just so disappointed they can't even look at you. They don't even mm-hmm. want to look you in the eye because they can't believe what you just did. For a head coach, say, I can't believe what we just put on tape. So there's no way we're going to sit down and go over this and have to look at this filth that was out there on <laughs> Sunday. And that was the Dallas Cowboys. It was a 26-6. And Mike McCarthy's just like, you know what? Burn those tapes. Forget about it. We're moving on. And I can understand it. As a show, regular season's over. This week, we're looking at each other, and it's just like, all right, it's a new season for us. Mm. What can we do different? Let's get our creative juices flowing. Let's come up with something to keep the fans entertained. Cowboys are looking at it the same way. This Commanders game has no impact on where we are now. Commanders aren't in the playoffs. We're not matched up. We're not going against them this week. We won't be playing them again this season. 
Right now, it is all about Tampa Bay, focusing on that game. Go back in. We want to look at film. Go back and look at when we played them earlier in the season. See what we can learn from that. But that game last week, burn those tapes, step on them, smash them, do whatever you need to do. But we're moving on and we're focusing on the playoffs and what we can do to get better. Let's turn some film on and figure out how do we get Dak to stop throwing interceptions. Mm -hmm. That's more important than just that game last week. If we have to look at anything, let's look at that play to pick six and figure out how do we move on from that. Would have been pretty good to win that game, though, right? Mm. Would have been a lot better off. It's nice to win them all. Nice to win them all, but gosh, I mean, I got a terrible taste in my mouth <laughs> from the Cowboys. Uh, didn't think they looked particularly sharp against the Titans on mm. Thursday night uh, in a game where Joshua Dobbs played after eight days of getting there and almost beat them. And I thought they were horrendous when it mattered against the Jaguars. So now you're telling me, burn the tape. Do we burn the entire tape of the last, just the one the last month? Yeah. Like, when, when, at just what point one. do we not burn the tape? And at what point is this actually a problem? I think you got to go back further than this month, maybe even yeah. this year. you got to go back to the VHS. Like, we're, we're going way We're back. going out of 95. It's a lot of tape, like, There's a lot of it's tape. It's a mountain of tape. But, guys, all right, Mike McCarthy, back-to-back 12-win seasons. Raise a banner. Like, should we be giving him more credit, though? Raise a banner. More credit? More credit? Yeah. That just credit. hasn't been done since 94, 95 season. That's no, that's great. It's like the, the, Dave Campo and and, <laughs> and Wade Phillips are going to pat him on the back. Like, what are we You know what it is? It's like, the, it's like the NIT tournament or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you NIT got it. NIT champions. And you won the NIT Put the banner up. Awesome. NIT champions. Indianapolis Colts used to raise banners for, you know, division champions. But these are the Cowboys. But the Cowboys. This is um, UCLA. Yeah, this is the North tape. Carolina. You can say what you want. New Bloods. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, they lose this game. They lose this game. You could burn a lot of things, I think. <laughs> this, this, don't lose this game, Cowboys. And I'll tell you what, the Dak thing is an issue. Um, some of those are fluky. I remember against the Jaguars, there were a couple ones that went off, you know, Noah Brown's hands, and it was intercepted. Yeah. And against the Titans, you could say that there was one that was just a fluke. Yep. And I get it. Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions this season. He missed five games. So Dak Prescott had more interceptions in 12 games than any other player who started 17. Problem, problem, problem. That's a problem that falls on Dak. It's a problem that falls on the receivers. It's a problem that falls on Kellen Moore. It's a problem that falls on Mike McCarthy. You have to get that tightened up because now you're looking at, uh, you know, going on the road to Tampa, fine. That defense hasn't exactly been the 78 Steelers, but they've got a lot of proud veterans. Eventually, you're going to have to play the Niners. Eventually, you're going to have to go into Philly. Eventually, you're going to have to play a Vikings team. Whoever it is, when you can't tighten things up at the end of the season, there's a reason for concern. I don't think it's burn the tape. I think you acknowledge the tape. You try to spin it forward, but, I mean, 12 wins in the regular season is mm. all good and well. Ask a Cowboys fan how they'll feel if they lose on Monday. Mm. What do you mean? You, you think that for the quarterback who led the league in interception, watching less tape is a bad idea? Probably, probably an, not an advisable thing to do. Actually, not only wa not watching it, destroying right. it. Destroy it. So then in case you change your mind later in the week, like, sorry, it's gone. <laughs> I, I, I think you should not be destroying the tape. I think you should be watching it. It's, the only thing you should be burning is that tape into your bleeping retinas because you lead the league in interceptions and you keep messing up. And Jason's like... Watch the tape of Tampa the last time you played them. You mean when they scored three points? They lost 19 to 3. That's the team you're playing. I know, but like they were terrible, so I thought we were burning the terrible tape. Just <laughs> we're completely disavowing it. It's like, here's the ostrich, here's the hole, just stick your head in it. And it didn't happen, it didn't happen. All right, if, if that's the way you want to go, um, it's a very interesting strategy <laughs> to just burn. That's to your point. 
how much tape are we burning? Yeah. It, it's yeah, like this is this is not off. this. Oh, we've been playing great football. And we had this weird one off in the last week where our concentration was a little wavering. And screw that. I trust you guys, and we're on fire right now. Let's just go in. But like it never happened. I think there's a place for that. It's like the the, the only thing cornier than burning the tape is burying the football, and that'll come next. Um, listen, I've said all I can say about the Cowboys. Yeah. Win playoff games, and I no one will cheer louder for you. But until now, it's the NIT tournament. It's the same season every single mm-hmm. year. It's at the cafeteria with the tray and the mush. It's the same one we've gotten every year. Win playoff games, and we will celebrate, I promise. Mm. Yeah, I've told you guys that we have a coloring on the wall problem at my house with Indeed. a three-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, and I go to Brooke, and I say, like, what happened here? And she says, Avery did it, the one-and-a-half-year-old. Avery did it. It's constantly like, so did the Cowboys' regular season. Those Cowboys did it. Not this postseason. Like, are you changing? You're, so, like, you're going to blame on a phantom thing that, like, the one-and-a-half-year-old did, not you, you're, no, you're the same team. You're the same team that played last week as you are this week. And I'm going to take Jerry Jones' stance that he did last week. He said, I'm so disappointed for our fans, but not half as disappointed as I will be if we're sitting in the same spot next week. Mm-hmm. You're risking that right now, Cowboys, because I don't think you can just turn the page and become a different team six days later. You're showing us your colors. You're showing us what you are capable of, but also what you're not capable of. And I think it's a lot easier said than done to become a totally different team on the final week of the regular season and then the first week the first week of the playoffs. I think I'm looking at the quote under you talking right now. It's time to burn the tape and move on to like it's a ridiculous quote. Go on. It's fodder for all of our shows. We're the we're the temp, we're we're the most modest of them. Like just go to the uh, go to the ESPN guys and see what they're probably saying when they see it. Like you you can't put that out there. You see what Michael Irvin was saying yesterday? No, what are you saying? I actually think it was a good thing this happened in Week 18 because it was a wake-up call. And he's, week 18, you don't know who's playing, who's not. That, that game doesn't matter. And like, I mean, it was uh, it was absurd. I love you, Mike, but it was absurd. And now we're looking at burn the tape. It's it's really something. Tampa didn't fare much better in their last game either. So yeah, yeah, like that. yeah. They you know, they That's got a quarterback who's won seven Super Bowls. They were locked yeah. into that position. Like, the, the Cowboys teams are all blending together to me now. Like I feel yeah. like Dak was throwing a Miles Austin last week, and he was <laughs> handing off to Julius Jones. Like For they're the they same know. teams and to like, me. The Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, <laughs> and Eagles. For all they know, the yeah. The Cowboys almost were, they, yeah. the Eagles could have lost, and the Cowboys would have still what lost to yeah. Sam Howell. No one will cheer louder when they win playoff games. We're rooting for them. I promise. But I don't know if I promise. I'll be be on the table. Well, also, as Jerry Jones said this week, we get to suck on that tape all week. He said that. We should burn that quote. Yeah. (laughs) We should burn that quote. (laughs) Ravens head coach John Harbaugh was asked yesterday about Lamar Jackson. Will he practice this week? What's his availability? Where has he been? Haven't seen him in over a month. Here's how the coach responded. Well, like I've been saying, I don't really have an update right now to share with you. Uh, uh, you know, we'll have an injury report out on Wednesday because I won't be have a chance to talk to you between now and then. That's kind of where we're at. So, no news is just no news. I'm not going to say it's good. I'll say it's bad. It's just no news, and that's what, where we're at with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. He's been sidelined with a PCL sprain since December 4th. They have a road playoff game this weekend against division rival Cincinnati Bengals. So what's going on? What do we make? How do we unpack this Lamar Jackson lack of availability of practice in games right now over the last month and as they look ahead? Yeah, it's tough because as you look at John Harbaugh's comments Harbaugh, throughout this time over this past month, it's like it continues to change. When Lamar first got hurt, it was just like, all right, it's kind of day-to-day. He may be able to play this next week. And then it was like, all right, he wasn't able to play. And then it's just like, all right, he may not be able to go, but it's right around the corner. Then it was just like, ah, oh, like I'm going to coach the players that are here that are available. And now it's kind of like, 
oh, it's confident he'll be ready for the playoffs. And now the playoffs are here, and it's just like, well, really don't have any update. So it's kind of confusing what's going on. And it's like, all right, is John Harbaugh just trying not to give the next team a competitive advantage so we continue early on to say, all right, Lamar is going to play? Lamar, we haven't heard from him, which I expect because when players are hurt, the one thing within a locker room is just, all right, don't talk about your injuries. The head coach will handle it. If you're asked about it, refer to your head coach. So I think that's why we haven't heard from Lamar if people are questioning that. But from a Ravens standpoint, it's just like, all right, is the injury just not going as planned? You kind of set a timetable early on, but you never know how any given person is going to heal. For Lamar Jackson, his game very much so relies on his ability to move around the pocket, to be able to have the quarterback runs. The last thing you want is Lamar getting ready to play in a practice in a game and a trainer standing there putting a mountain of tape around his knee for him to go out there and now his gaze change and he's not running confidently and all of those different things. So I think the bigger question is, like, what's going on behind the scenes? Is mm-hmm. it just not healing right, or is there more to it while we keep hearing a change of tune from the head coach? Let's get to the more to it. Can we just can, can we address the elephant in the room? I mean, these next 48 hours might be the most important 48 hours that Lamar's had in his career since his MVP season. Like, mm-hmm. are you playing or not? He hasn't practiced since December 4th. And I don't think the Ravens coaches know. I'm watching Harbaugh. He's not one to... I don't think he knows because I don't think they know if Lamar is going to suit up. Now, the elephant in the room, of course, is that, yeah, there's a game this weekend and play hurt, not play hurt. We'd love to see Lamar gut it out. We also understand you don't want to play if you're there's friendly. You don't know if he's cleared. I'm talking contract here. Mm. Is this a business move? And is there a business decision to be made for Lamar Jackson? And if I'm not 100%, do I risk it? Do I go out there and play? My contract's up. is Is this out of... A power play to say, hey, this is the Ravens without me on the field. This is what it looks like. Or is Lamar truly saying, like, I would do anything in my power to take the field and lead these men onto the field? And should he feel that way as an individual who's got $200 million laying in the balance the day after they lose in the playoffs or the day after they win the playoffs in the Super Bowl? I think this is a question of Lamar's bigger picture than just can Lamar go on the knee or not? And I'm not questioning his motivation, and I'm not questioning the Ravens from their side as far as what they want. I believe that if Lamar can't go, he can't physically go to play. I'm not mm-hmm. questioning his toughness. But then what? Because mm-hmm. now you're talking two years in a row that Lamar didn't play the month of December or January, and now do you give $250 million to a, to a guy who hasn't been available the final month of the season the past two years? So many questions and if Lamar doesn't play, mm-hmm. does this go from the Ravens have been begging Lamar to come back as they were all summer, please, we'll try to negotiate, yeah. to now the Ravens, re- re- do we have to move on? Like, do we look at another option? This is the fascinating stuff, and it's uncomfortable because we're week to week and we're all this stuff, and we don't want to ever think that there's a bigger thing at play and there's business at play. But when Lamar is no agent, mm-hmm. doesn't have the marketing apparatus behind him, and the coaches don't know if he's able to go or not, and the doctors have been working with him, I think it's fair to at least question, is there a bigger question mark or a bigger story here at play than just, is Lamar healthy enough to play? But the fact that he played this season knowing he didn't have a contract, I think that kind of gives him the benefit of the doubt. Like, yes, he's banged up right now, so maybe he is not going to play if he's not healthy. But at the same time, he went into this season without any guarantees for next season and has played 
before he was injured has played healthy. So I think we heard from Mark Andrews in the preseason, all these guys, and it was just like, no, Lamar's a guy that wants to win. He's going to go out there and play. So I don't have a reason to question that now. I'm not questioning whether he wants to play. I think he wants to play. The question is, if you're 60%, and you don't have this giant contract thing looming, do you say, let's just wrap me up, let's go, coach, or now is it a bigger question? If you were a friend of his, not a teammate, a friend yeah. in his life, and Lamar says, I think I can go, I don't know, I, my, I haven't been, what is your advice to him? Each player is different. I've played with guys who had the biggest contract at their position in the NFL, and if they were banged up, they're not playing. Their thought process was, I'm not going to put bad film out there and go and show when I know I'm not 100%. In a, in a playoff game. In any game. If I'm not 100%, I can't help us win. There's other guys at 25%, give me however I can to get on the football field, you're going to have to drag me off limping. So it's more of a mentality of how that player is. And to be honest, neither one of them are wrong because I've gone out there and played games where I'm banged up and you look terrible mm. and you're being evaluated on that same film and the big contract you have in the offseason they're bringing you in showing you the plays where you look bad where you were hurt and it's like alright we're going to have to let you go and now I look at other guys who have said you know what I'm not going out there they keep that contract or if they are released the mm -hmm. film that's out there is all positive film mm -hmm. so it's all a mentality and there is no wrong there's people that are sitting on the couch like oh my goodness Lamar it's a playoff game you should go play at whatever percentage you have no you've never done it so you can't mm -hmm. comment and it's totally up to him. If he's not healthy, hell, don't play. Well, I don't think it's a matter even of Lamar of putting tape out there. Like, the Ravens know who he is. It's a matter of you worsen your injury or you can suffer another injury. I can't protect myself, and now I'm even more injured. Um, the silence is deafening. That's the problem, is that Harbaugh's not saying anything, and then... You know, we haven't even gotten anything from Lamar, such as, a, you know, keep working hard, trying to get back. Like, you look at his timeline, it's like something about his birthday and something about the video games. And then he's got all these DeMar Hamlin suites, which are great, but like nothing about like still grinding Ravens Nation, can't wait to be. You don't know. So that invites the skepticism mm -hmm. of, hold on a second. We got a quarter billion dollars hanging in the balance. Maybe this player is saying, I, maybe I could probably get out there, but why? For who? For what? So we can lose to the Bengals and then I injure myself further? And I don't believe Lamar Jackson is that type of person because he's played through everything and because not only did he enter the season without a contract he entered the season saying I don't even want to talk about a contract I have a cutoff I have a deadline so don't come offering me week three a quarter billion dollars I don't want to have that conversation so I think he's earned that right but there's a lot of questions about with that much money at stake and we haven't seen from you or heard from you what are you going to do this is a nine and four team who has fallen apart since he's left. They were having a hell of a season. They beat the Bengals. Like they, they could do some things this year, but not without this guy. And listen, his job right now in his current contract and the current game check that he'll get this weekend is to do everything he can possibly do to get on the field and help the Ravens win. And if there's any part of them that is playing the long play of, yeah, but, you know, I don't, that's, that's, that's not his job. He has Would it help us if the doctors were like, Lamar is cleared to play, or Lamar cannot play, or is that just not anything with how doctors I actually, play? I anything actually think that that's where this whole situation lies, is like, we are grasping for things to yes. Kyle's point that, that why is it that we just need an answer, a definition from a physician for us to give us better clarity as to why Lamar Jackson is doing something, or why he isn't doing something? You guys remember in early December when we were having a really painful Aaron Rodgers conversation about like should the Packers go Jordan Love? Should they not? And we had that yeah. I had that brain map out of like, well, if they went Jordan Love but he plays crappy, here's what you get. Yeah. If he plays well, yeah. here's what you get. Mm -hmm. This to me feels like that brain map like tenfold because I go way back to the initial injury. Like 
What if it's worse than we actually heard? What if he knows in his mind that, like, there is no way in hell I was ever going to... I don't know why they said weeks. I'm not talking. You're the one that said weeks. I was never going to be available. Was that a Ravens play? There are so many permutations of how the situation has gone down from the second the injury happened. Frankly, from the second the season started and we had to stop talking about his contract, that... We somehow have landed here, down at this little decision bubble, but the way this thing has unfolded have been the decisions by a lot of different gentlemen in positions of power within the Ravens and one quarterback, and it just, it's... Along the way, there could have been a tiny schism and a, t- a tiny thing there where there, are, there could be cracks here where we are now seeing a situation unfold between ownership management coaches and Lamar Jackson that I think could have affect his contract in the long run that maybe wasn't going to take you know, place in the You know what it all goes September. back to? And I know they're probably listening in Cleveland like, what do we do? You gave Deshaun Watson that contract, you set a bar. Mm. Yes. And Lamar Jackson is not wrong in saying I should not take a dollar less than Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the Ravens, You get both sides of it. They know that he's going to say that and demand that. Yeah, and it's like, this is a very tricky situation. And if they don't, someone will, right? Do you think? Yeah, probably. Look, I've seen him out there. We work we work around SNY, all right? This is this Jets in-house fans, Jets thing. I'm walking through the hallways here, and they got a mock-up of Lamar in a Jets uniform, and they're having a topic on, on their show about could Lamar be a yeah. Jet next year. It, the Ravens would have to say, with that money and that injury history, we love you, you're a great Raven, but I think we're going to turn the page, and that would be a massive decision. Yeah. Do you massive. think if he doesn't play this weekend – and I don't know, I don't spoke, I'm talking to the Ravens guys about this, but if he doesn't play this weekend, do you think the fan base, because they're all Lamar, the Ravens fan, I mean, do you think the fan base would support team or Lamar if they were to say, you know what, we might want to I think they away. would support franchise tag. I franchise think, tag. I think it's kind of the purgatory mm. in between. Yeah. Yep. And Band-Aid. Lamar would hate it, and maybe yeah. he would hold out, and maybe be terrible. Can't let, that's can't what let him do. walk out the door. Yeah. Can't yeah. I would franchise tag him. A lot of more, a lot more information has to come out about the situation. Not, I mean, that's what it honestly might not, Jamie. Yeah. I, I hear that, five but it, weeks. It, injury stuff. It, it's not. Gonna, it's been well, five weeks. It's been since August. Going to be on the field. Is he going to so They practice yesterday. They're in the building day. Oh. The thought is Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday. We're practicing. We got a game on Sunday. There. And there's practicing, and then there's that footage of the guy trotting around. Like, we haven't even seen that. Okay. He's not on a I treadmill. No He's not. No, no trot. Yeah, and then cameras get out of here. We've seen him trotting. There's been no trot. Yeah. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you We now welcome back to the show a five-time NFL Executive of the Year. He was general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, the assistant general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. He's with the Patriots for several years. Mm. He's also with our show all the time, and we love having him. Scott Pioli, welcome hey, back. Hey, Scott. Thank you. Oh, the breakfast sandwich. Oh. There was a breakfast sandwich for me today. Oh. Yeah. Take it out. So thank you. Had your name on it? What do you fancy? It didn't. It does, I don't need my name on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I probably hate someone else. Lunch pail guy. <laughs> doesn't need Okay. I have the green M&Ms in the room. Um, what? When the Seahawks traded away Russell Wilson, everyone decided that Seattle was throwing away the season. The word tank was mentioned. And here we are, January 10th, and the Seahawks have a playoff game 72 hours away. Tell us about the mindset 
that front office personnel have before grading a trade? Yeah, you, you know, you, you get graded, and the mindset is that you're trying to ignore all that that's going on. And sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. But when you look at the two people involved, and Pete Carroll and John Schneider, you talk about a great partnership. You've got a GM who knows how to get, get players that meet Pete Carroll's needs and his wants and his personality. So when they made this trade, everyone beat him up. They lost his quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback. But they get two firsts, two seconds. They get a bevy of pick and a couple of other players. Noah Fant, one of the players, caught 50 balls this year. But they get Charles Cross because they get number eight overall. They get Boye Mafe, pass rusher who fits Pete perfectly. And now this year, they're going to have, what is it, the number six, number eight, number six. Now let me check this. Number five mm. overall because of this trade. So when these when these trades get graded so fast, you've got to let things play out and see what the players are going to be like that are involved in the trade. Let it work out. Now, as we're saying this and everyone's beating up the Denver Broncos, let's just wait and see. And, yeah. and, and you know, I've, I've been skeptical of this trade, too. However, we're going to see if Sean Payton ends up in Denver. Mm-hmm. We may see a different Russell Wilson, and this trade that looks awful for mm-hmm. Denver right now mm-hmm. might look very different if they have a different. Isn't that similar coach. to the Rams or Stafford and Golf and that whole thing? Where it's like the Rams got the Rams got the best. Well, the Rams did get the best with that first year. Lions are sitting pretty with that Rams pick and Jared Goff now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to sit and be patient and try to ignore the noise. And you know, it's easy for me to say now that I'm not sitting there having the noise come at me, but it's difficult sometimes. Let's talk about maybe the Lions, or I want you to pick a team that missed the playoffs. We're happy for the Seahawks, but a team that missed, that you want to shed a light on, that maybe they were starting to hit the right stride at the end of the season, but they just didn't quite make it into the postseason. Jamie, you mentioned it's the Detroit it Lions. Is. Yeah, there, there, there's yeah. so many things to like about the Lions. I like the way that they've built this team. Mm. I like what they've done with their picks. I like the way that they've developed their players. They brought in the right players for their head coach, and they, they've done a tremendous job. Brad Holmes, I think, is doing everything he needs to do to bring in the right players for Dan Campbell. They are an emotional tough team. They're a physically tough team. They meet meet the image of the head coach. But here's the thing. They're also in this place now, year three, where they've got a number of good young players. And this is the best opportunity to evaluate your own and possibly extend those players to make sure that that young team is going to be good in the future. And you look at the trade they have this year. They've got number six and number 18 in terms of picks in the first round this year. They've got another pick. So they are loaded with picks. They're picking well, and they're developing players. Dan Campbell comes from the Parcells background, a number of other people. He believes in developing players. I love where the Lions are at right now, Jamie. Totally. Yeah, you talked about picks. The Houston Texans played Mm. in the game this past week versus (laughs) Indianapolis Colts. They score a touchdown. They go for two. And their pick in this year's draft could have been one, and now it's second overall for a front office. What goes into one, Lovey Smith going for two, and do you think that had a big impact on him being fired? Uh, Jason, I, I would love it because here's you the would thing. Love it as I would off. absolutely love it. Here's yeah. the thing yeah. you cannot compromise the integrity of winning in this game. And if you're a front office person that is wanting your team to lose to get one pick ahead of where you're at, I, it, to me, it's the most awful message that you can send in football. You're telling players every single day to do everything they can, sacrifice their bodies. The things that we've seen this year, we, what players go through, mm-hmm. and then to hope and wish that your team is going to lose a game. Can't you secretly kind of wish? Yeah, from that perspective, yeah. can you play different players? Put Here's, the inexperienced guy in, going for that last game, take some of your veterans Justify out. Justify your hand. That. I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't, and if I have a head coach who's trying to win – God bless him. I'm all in with him. Because here's the deal. You're looking at pick number one versus pick number two right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about this specific situation with Lovey. And 
this is a pretty good draft this year. Yeah. We've seen a lot of number ones make it. We've seen plenty bust. Mm-hmm. We've seen some number twos make it and some number twos bust. It's a one difference pick. The Texans are roster right now is not good. No matter who they get at number two, it should be a good player. Mm. But the whole concept and idea, the disrespect that you would do to the game, your players, your fans, mm-hmm. to do anything to advocate for losing a game, I think that, I, I think that you're a loser. Mm. I, I, would not, I, I love what Lovey Smith did. Mm. That's interesting. Um, Lovey Smith is gone, unfortunately. He is no longer the head coach mm-hmm. of the Texans, but with that comes a vacancy, of which there are a few that we're looking yeah. at, and who knows what's more to come. Scott, I'm, who's, who's your champion? Who is a person that you're like, head wow. coach, right here? Pick one. I'll say this. <laughs> I'm going to get to the point, but there's so many good candidates this year. I mean, I start with Brian Flores, Dan Quinn, you know, Leslie Frazier, Sean Payton, who everyone's talking about. And everyone's talking about D'Amico Ryans. I love D'Amico Ryans. Mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryans is smart. He's dedicated. He's smart and he's thoughtful, right? Mm-hmm. He relates very well with players, but he's not that player's coach that lets guys, you know, he, he is a terrific football coach, a terrific football mind. The way he was raised from the beginning in college, he knows what a good program looks like. But one of the other guys I want to focus on is really David Shaw. No one's talking very much really? about David Shaw. Because here's the deal with David. We've all seen David prior to the draft. David knows players. If you have a head coach that is not only a good strategist and knows X's and O's and knows how to lead a football team, but knows personnel, David is great at personnel. I I used to go out to Stanford every single year to spend time with David just to watch him coach and to listen to him because he would tell you everything about the Pac-10 players when they were Pac-10 and the Pac-12 players. He also has a history of coaching in the NFL. He knows what the NFL is about. He understands the salary cap. David Shaw, to me, is a guy that I think isn't being talked about, but might be a guy that shows up. And I think the world of David. He was in Oakland. He was in Baltimore. Yep. Here's my question, and I don't know if you do you talk to him. I, I the thought that I have is that for five years it was like David Shaw, David. He's like, I'm never leaving Palo Alto. I'm the happiest guy mm-hmm. in the world. I'm not even gonna listen to these offers. Mm-hmm. He steps away. Is there? Do you think there's an interest from David Shaw to get back into this thing? I think there might be because you go different times in life make you want to do different things. Very cool. You know, there, there's stages and phases of life, and and I'm, I'm I did not talk to David about this. Yeah, so yeah. this is. But I also think that Doesn't David to wants phone, to, right? living in Palo Alto, when you're the coach at Stanford, let me tell you what, where you can have your children, the schools that you can have your children in, the community that you can have mm. your children, that is a special place. And David knew that. And David loved that community. I also think that he's young enough and he's respected enough. And remember, look at how well he did with a team at Stanford that would always have a limited roster compared to the other schools. Mm-hmm. He was able to win. I understand the last several years were tough. No one's questioning David There's Shaw's cycles. Yeah. Everyone has cycles. Everyone has cycles. That's an interesting name. Yeah. yeah. And I heard him. And I know for years, for years, it was David Shaw's number one on everyone's list, but he would never consider the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 David is the total package. Huh. In what you're looking for in yeah. a coach and a human I love being. That name. He does have a really nice like maturity about him that I always enjoyed being around the college game that I think would apply very easily at the NFL game. And he's got a calm. Yeah, very yeah, calm. And he's passionate though. He's passionate. Maturity, calm, and passion like Scott mm. Pioli. That is what he yeah, brings to this table. Scott, you're the best, man. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Playoff time, baby. And it's time to look at playoff power rankings by our own Dan Hansis on this NFL Network. We always do this according to a theme. Since it's Wild Card Weekend, we'll just do the theme of movies with wild in the title. Let's get right after it to the Wild Wild West Division. You don't want to see my hand where my hip be at. 32 <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. Wow, that's how it ended up. You hire a TV analyst to be head coach, you say, what's the worst that could happen? There it is, but folks. Bears at 31, all according to the plan. Let's move to the Wild Hogs division. Look for a cameo by the Sklar brothers in that road trip movie. Number uh, 17 on the left is the Dolphins, who are in the playoffs. Although we're not sure where, how they're going to show up. And then I think that's the lowest ranked team in the playoffs. It would have to be, right? Yes. Moving on to the River Wild division. Meryl Streep, uh, Rowan in the Rapids. Is there anything Kevin can't Bacon. do? Kevin Bacon has the heavy. Yeah. David Strathairn always doing a great job. Yeah, on the left, Detroit Lions at 9, Vikings at 10. So, guys, it looks like after the Ravens are in the playoffs. The Packers ahead of play playoff teams. That's always interesting to me, including the Bucks, Seahawks, and Ravens. Mm -hmm. And finally, we go on. You know it. The GOAT to the Wild Things division. What's up, Denise? What's up, Bacon? What's up, everybody? That Bacon was cooking on that movie. 49ers, Buffalo Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, Eagles. Eagles all the way down to Matt five. Matt Dillon? Matt Dillon for sure. Yeah. The whole thing about this, the Bacon prepared for this one particular scene by taking like a really long shower. Let's go to Dan Hansis on the West Coast. It's really early in the morning. That's why we're talking wild things. What's up, Dan? You're our wild thing. <laughs> Need that wild things talk this early in the morning. And I did go opening night with my four male friends back in 97. Oh, yeah. I was single at the time. Stunner. Shocking. Yeah. And so I, I went opening <laughs> night to a strip tease with Demi Moore. Looking at the top AFC teams on your rankings, Dan, the Chiefs are ranked fourth despite having the one seed. We spoke earlier in the show about this. What team should the Chiefs not want to see coming into Arrowhead? We didn't actually speak about it, but imagine we did. Yeah, no, I think the Chiefs, listen, the Chiefs still got plenty of mystique. They got Mahomes and he's going to win the MVP and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, Cincinnati went in there in the AFC title game last year and beat him. I think Mahomes told the ESPN crew uh, leading up to week 18 that he choked in that game. The Bills went there in week six and beat him. And even if the Bills and Chiefs play in the AFC title game, it, it won't even be at Arrowhead. So I think while the Chiefs still obviously could come out of this conference, you could see how the, those three teams specifically um, are all packed so tightly together. And I think the Bills, like the Chiefs, um, you have a superstar quarterback. And the same thing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, those are difference makers. I think it's a coin flip, a three-way coin flip. Does that work? I don't know. Let's just move. Sure. Know. We'll have to find a very special coin to do that. You have to consider how those regular yeah. season games fared with the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs as you move ahead. Let's talk about the Jags. They started the week one power rankings at number 29. And now they are preparing to host the Chargers because they won their division last Saturday night. Now they get to host the playoff game on Saturday night. Can this amazing turnaround in Duval continue? Please give us your first impressions of this matchup. Yeah, I, I like I love the matchup, obviously, two of the best young quarterbacks in the league in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. And one thing that has jumped out to me throughout this rise for the Jaguars is they have a pretty nice home field advantage there at uh, TIAA Stadium. That place gets loud uh, when Rayshon Slater uh, knocked that ball free and Josh Allen scooped that up for the score to get him past the Titans. It wasn't a great game overall for Jacksonville, uh, but man, that's got to be a shot in the arm for that defense confidence wise and the speed and skill of that offense. I think 
Either one of these teams I could see being like a, a potential berserker in this AFC playoff race. But if I had to pick one, I like the Jaguars getting hot here and winning a couple games. Yeah, they're fun. And they've been winning games in dramatic fashion. The Cowboys have lost some games in dramatic fashion over the last few weeks. I don't know what to make of them. I know uh, you've been keeping your eye on them. They've got to clean <laughs> things up before they face Tom Brady on Monday night. Brady's never lost to the Cowboys in his career. So what's going to be the Cowboys' biggest challenge as they head to Tampa coming off that head-scratching loss to Washington? Yeah, I think, from Peter, from the outside, like people like me and things we'll talk about in the podcast is the Cowboys have to overcome themselves because they've lost so many playoff games in the last you know, 10, 20, almost 30 years now that you kind of expect, expect them to stumble on this stage. And then you look at their history and they haven't even won a road playoff game since January 1993. Uh, so there's a lot of history that they have to overcome here, but ultimately the biggest thing, and the only thing that matters is how they're playing and they're not playing well. And I think the defense will be okay, even though they've been a, a tick off as well, uh, against Tom Brady and that off and on Tampa Bay offense. I think they keep things under control, but the offense has to execute better. Dak Prescott has to be smarter with the ball. That's the problem, uh, with the offense right now. Cannot turn the ball over again. Uh, it's an incredible job, Dan. They cannot turn the ball over again, or they will need a seven-nation army to defend them. Be sure to check out NFL Power Rankings presented by Energizer every Tuesday at NFL.com. The one-man army. Dan Hansis, appreciate you, man. Yes, Dan. I like that. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.